Just Thinking with hosts Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking broadcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What up, Oma? What's up, bro? What's going on, Doctor? How What's you doing, up? man? What's up, my man? What's going bro, on? Bro, I'm I'm so I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad I was glad back. to hear you. I was glad to hear you say, and we're back because we are back. We're yes. we are we again yes. after what a week of just being uh you. Yes. Right? Going yes. solo. Doing the it down. Hey, you held I, it down though, bro. Listen, I appreciate that, but I don't recommend that. I do not recommend having to go solo, man. I don't recommend it. Well, you already know I know how you feel about that because yeah. uh, not long ago you took a couple weeks off. Yes. You had some things to attend to. Yes. Uh, and I had to go solo for two episodes, man. Bro, two episodes. I, I feel your pain. Now I understand what you walked through. Yeah. Because that's not. Yeah, it's not easy. It's, it's not, not. It's not. It's, it's not, not easy. And uh, again, uh, the listeners at this point they they demand a high a high quality on what we do. There's an expectation. You know, they they want to hear pages flip with scripture. You know, I, I was I was able to hit them with the elect standard version the whole show. I, I know. I know. I said, look at this guy. <laughs> look at this guy. He just won his podcast welfare. He's trying to get his. <laughs> he's trying to get his entitlement. <laughs> He's trying to get his entitlement, his translation entitlement going on. Absolutely, but man. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm glad I'm glad you got your leg standard version in there, man, for a whole episode. Yeah. But now we back to the non-Armenian standard oh, version. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. You're back, man. I'm Robin. I get it. I get now, it. Now that I'm back. But don't worry, man. I'm gonna give you some more love. Don't worry. That 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 wasn't the last. Uh, that wasn't the last crumb off the table. That that's you good. Face. That's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> that's good to hear, man. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with you. Yeah, but, but but you did you did a fantastic job with the Gosnell episode. And for for our listeners who have not yet listened to um, uh, Omaha going solo uh, on uh, last week's episode, please take some time to go out there and listen to that uh, that episode on the Gosnell movie. And uh, I tell you, Omaha, I could listen to you all day oh, talk boy. about uh, abortion. Yeah, and the. Uh, the sin that abortion is and that the pain, the hurt, uh, not only the, the death, but, uh, not just within the death of an unborn child, but the, the, the downstream impacts, ramifications and implications of a decision like that. And I think you handled it with grace, with humility, with mercy and, uh, uh, I just appreciate the job you did in that episode, man. It was absolutely Praise God, wonderful. Man. Praise God. Thanks for that, man. I, I uh, It was definitely, it was definitely, it's always, in, when you're dealing with the issues, it's a mixed bag. Uh, it's always, it's, you're in that, when you're in that space ministering, it's one of those things where you're glad to be there to be salt and light. It's also difficult, painful, and challenging at the same time. And so, and even in preparation as, as, as reading through, you know, the information on God's nail, what all went down with that. It's a mixed bag. It's it's one of those things where you're you you're you're gut wrenched at what you're reading at the same time you recognize the need for the information and the knowledge and and uh, to be able to share it accurately with the people. So it was a blessing to have an opportunity to do. Well, you did a great job, man. You had to hold it down uh, for the Justing a broadcast because I was traveling out to the West Coast. Yeah, and uh, was summoned out to the West Coast. Had a great visit out there, and for folks who. Uh, may not know, uh, I think a lot of our listeners already know, but for the sake mm-hmm. of those who don't yet know, I wanted to spend a couple minutes here at the top of this episode to just update folks on what transpired, uh, really what was the reason why uh, I didn't partner with you on last week's episode because I had to be away. Right. But uh, I just want to mention real briefly uh, that um, – I will be joining the uh, staff at Grace to You, which is jo- uh, the the preaching and teaching ministry of Dr. John MacArthur, mm-hmm. um, coming on board uh, with Grace to You in the role of dean of social media. Nice. Um, I so like the title, we, uh, man. Good look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to give a big thank you, huge thank you, to Phil Johnson, 
Jay Flowers, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Johnson, Paul Ackerman, all the folks at Grace to You who've been so gracious to extend this opportunity to me. Uh, don't have a start date yet. We're working on that. Uh, this role will require that I relocate from Atlanta to LA. So I will wow. be moving from the East Coast to the left coast, as I call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. we're trying right now to uh, make that happen as uh, rapidly as possible. Uh, but right. I want to say uh, to everyone who has conveyed to me congratulations, well wishes, prayers. Uh, I'm just so humbled at this opportunity that I cannot express it. I really cannot. Um, yeah. Sometimes God opens doors for you that just kind of blows you away, especially when you consider, and I'll just speak for myself in the first person. When I consider what a sinner I am Mm. uh, and God opens doors anyway, Mm -hmm. it really makes you, you know, I recall how Peter's reaction uh, to in Luke, when uh, Jesus was aboard his boat and Jesus performed the miracle with the fishes and, um, Peter's response to that miracle was to bow down mm-hmm. at the feet of Jesus and confess, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel. I mean, I feel like that a lot, <laughs> but right. uh, when you look at how God opens doors that you didn't expect and you know, you don't deserve them. That's the mm-hmm. thing. You know, you don't deserve this blessing. Mm-hmm. You know it. There is something in your heart where you know you don't deserve this. Mm. Yet God did it anyway. Yeah. Not because of you, but because of who he is. Yeah. You see. Yeah. So um, I want to thank everyone at Grace to You, Dr. John MacArthur. Um, I got to meet him. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my friend Han Cho. Han is uh, one of the elders out at Grace Church. Uh, I want to give a shout out to everyone at Grace Church. I had the privilege of uh, my wife and I had the privilege of attending Grace Church last Sunday uh, morning. And then Sunday night, we attended the Grace Life Bible study uh, prior to the uh, second worship service there. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the folks at Grace Church, uh, at Grace to You, Grace Life. Wow. I mean, I'm speechless. I mean, those are some of the most humble friendly servant oriented people that I've ever met in my life. Wow. So, so, so don't buy into the notion that all Californians are uppity, self-centered, uh, superficial, um, you know, me oriented people. No, it wasn't like that at all. Uh, they hosted, uh, my wife and I and rolled out the red carpet. I've never seen such humility and Mm. such servanthood. Uh, so yeah, so, so thanks be to God, glory be to God for this opportunity. I pray that I will be able to, uh, represent our Lord, uh, in truth and humility, uh, always looking to, uh, always looking for someone's feet to wash. Um, mm. and I pray the Lord give me a servant's heart in this role. Uh, but yes, I will be locating to, uh, relocating to California as soon as possible. And then joining the, uh, grace to you family out there in the role of Dean of social media. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, man, I almost forgot. Go ahead. ahead. I almost forgot. The most important question that I want to answer is will with this move, with this move, will Omaha and Daryl continue to do the just thinking broadcast? And the answer is before you answer that, uh before you answer that, I got to, I got to jump in here and say a couple things. One is this, that um, on behalf of myself, uh, Dwayne, all of us who are part of the bar uh, network, uh, um, my my portion of just thinking, man, we could not be more excited for you, more um, just in your corner, man. I mean, I'm I've I've been I've been jumping up and down for joy, man, just in the the opportunity that this is for you and for your your wife and for your family and for and for the body of Christ. I've been able to enjoy you kind of kind of to myself man as we dialogue every week interacting mm-hmm. on this medium and then you know offline off and on and and it's been a it's been an, an incredible 
privilege and a pleasure. It's been awesome to, to read your heart. I've, I've shared probably in some of my Bible studies more content from either A, conversations we've had or things I've read from you uh, than, than I can shake a stick at. You've been a, an inspiration uh, and a blessing to me personally uh, and then in, in what we do in the, in the different mediums and spaces that, that we've been in. So I'm extremely, and as your brother in Christ, completely proud, godly proud of what God is doing and, and excited for you. And uh, man, just couldn't be more overjoyed. I wanted to say that before anything else regarding what does or does not happen uh, with, with just thinking. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Well, thank you, Virg. I appreciate it. It's very moving, man. So I'm going to try to compose myself here. Uh, that means a lot to hear, for, for you to say that, to hear that coming from you, man. And, uh, you know, you and I have uh, been on this road for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that actually comprises the same amount of time we've known each other. You know, before we uh, got on board to do the podcast together, you and I didn't even know each other. Right. Uh, so, you know, but we've definitely developed a brotherhood, man, a bond uh, over these months. And I think the same can be said of our listeners. Uh, they, mm-hmm. They've they've stood in there with us, man. They pray for us. They encourage us. They support mm-hmm. us. And uh, so this opportunity with grace to you, and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm going to be taking all of you with me mm-hmm. uh, out there. Uh, all of you are going with me because all of you had a part uh, in this. Uh, so by God's grace, uh, I have this opportunity, but I'm not leaving any of you uh, behind. Uh, and with that said, I do want to let everyone know that uh, Lord willing, uh, Virgil and I, per- we absolutely intend to continue doing the Just Thinking broadcast uh, and doing it weekly. Uh, Amen. So uh, as God gives us life and strength and health and uh, sound mind and all those other faculties, mm-hmm. uh, we definitely, uh, our goal is to continue the broadcast and bringing this to you on a weekly basis. So, uh, again, thank you, everyone. I love you all uh, for the encouragement, the support, the the, the well wishes, the congratulations. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting out to uh, the West Coast and getting to work uh, and helping uh, my good brothers and sisters out of grace to you. Mm-hmm. And Dr. John MacArthur with his uh, just wonderful teaching and preaching ministry uh, continue to feed uh, not only the flock of God, but uh, those who don't yet know him uh, and get uh, get some sound expositional truth as delivered by Dr. John MacArthur out across the world. So I am truly looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Verge. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So we're back. Time to do it again. You ready? Do it. I'm re- bro. I, I'm I'm definitely now that you're back. I'm ready for sure. All right, let's go. So tonight's topic: the Ligonier Ministries State of Theology Survey. I feel like I, I feel like I should have. I feel like I should have had a drum roll for you for that, man. I know, right? We should have had. Maybe, may, <laughs> hey, maybe Dwayne can insert one in there. Post production or something. Yeah, Wayne can hook that up. Yeah, so. maybe maybe Dwayne can go ahead and put something in there to sort of intro this thing. Right, right, right. But the Ligonier Ministries State of Theology Survey, mm-hmm. and you can get to Ligonier. I'm sorry, you can get to the survey. Ligonier has set up a direct website exclusively for this survey. If you want to go to thestateoftheology.com, right. thestateoftheology.com, and just to kind of set the stage here, Reading from the website itself, so reading from the homepage of the stateoftheology.com, mm-hmm. the description reads as this. This is, what do Americans believe about God, salvation, ethics, and the Bible? Mm-hmm. Ligonier Ministries and LifeWay Research partnered to find out. These are the fundamental convictions that shape our society. So, mm-hmm. that said, what we plan to do uh, so that our listeners will be aware And I think as we begin to unpack some of the responses to this survey, our listeners will understand why it is we want to treat the results of this survey with seriousness and judiciousness in unpacking uh, some of these responses. We're probably going to be spending several episodes Mm. of the Just Thinking broadcast on this uh, on this uh, state of theology uh, survey results. Yeah. 
in this episode, uh, and, and just so everyone knows, we each episode that we do uh, of the podcast in addressing and sort of unpacking the state of theology results, we may not uh, dedicate an episode for each question in sequential right. order. So, right, right. but what we, we're going to bounce around throughout the survey, but we will dedicate at least one episode to each of the questions that was responded to in the survey. Now in this episode, a question that was most concerning to me Mm -hmm. was um, unbelievable. When I saw the responses to this, to this survey, Uh, the survey question is, it is statement number four Mm -hmm. statement number. I'm sorry. Statement number six is statement number six in the survey. This is the state of theology.com conducted by Ligonier Ministries in partnership with LifeWay Research. Statement six mm-hmm. of the survey reads, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the first and created, I'm sorry, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Now, in the 2016 survey, yeah, we'll 71% about- agreed. 71% agreed in 2016, 23% disagreed. In 2018, that number went up. Mm-hmm. 78% now agree versus 18% disagree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Any comment on that verse? Bro, this one kind of... <laughs> I, I I was in disbelief when I saw it two years two years ago when I saw the, when the when the first of this came out my my thought was really I mean I, I just was kind of jaw dropped that people would get this one wrong and then to see two years later for them to be more you know for 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 them to get it even more wrong if that's even right. a, that's mm-hmm. even proper way of saying that it is that is that is grammatically correct <laughs> was just was just astounding i mean i i think if if you just take your time and so so I, my thought was well maybe maybe they just read it wrong maybe they just mm-hmm. maybe they just read it through a little too quickly and missed a word or two you know i mean you know you take a test real quick you know you kind of but i don't know that there was a time limit on this and then you had two years ago for them to review and then come back and ask the same question wait 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 wait. are, are you trying to tell me that this is a theological sat this is like a sat man this is like a, <laughs> this, is, this is like you know you go back you you study you come back with the hope of maybe getting it more right the next time i don't know right. i mean this is this is basic. I mean, I, I love that you grabbed this question first because this is not, this is not. You know what? Where do you land soteriologically? Yeah. How do you how do you figure? Out? Yeah. This is basic one hundred and one type of stuff with regard to Christianity. So, bro, bro, if you get this wrong, right? Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. If if you get your Christo- see this this has got all the ologies rolled up into this one question. Yeah. yeah. Theology. Chris Christology, yep. Soteriology, yep. Eschatology. You could go on and on and on. If you get this question wrong, cardiology, cardiology. If you get this wrong, nothing else matters. Right, right. So the statement again reads: Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Seventy-eight percent of respondents agree versus eighteen percent disagree. Now. In sort of unpacking this Omaha, I got a trick question for you. Okay. And for our new listeners, uh, uh, we have to mention this periodically. When Virgil and I get together to do these episodes, w- there's no script. No. There's no note. We don't compare notes. Nope. When when he hits record, neither of us knows what the other person is going to say. All nope. we know, it's all helpful. we have is the topic. We know what topic we're going to address. And then after that, we pretty much freestyle this thing. Right. So again, but it, but in sort of unpacking statement number six of the state of theology, go to go to the state of theology dot com. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Now, trick question here, verse. What yeah. is a God? What is a God? What is a God? What is a God? It's a good question. I mean, I, I know I know what who God is, but what is right. what is a God? Right. 
The question is, what is a god? I, I have no idea what a god. <clears throat> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know what the god is. I know what the, I know right. what the eternal god, the the god of the universe, the sovereign god of the universe, the god of the Bible. There's right. only there's only one, right? Right. 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 I, I think I think I, I think that's where I'm supposed to go. I don't <laughs> you said it was a trick question. So I'm trying to so that you didn't go where I thought you would go. It's it's a trick question. So your response, man, is is just the response. It's a trick question, man. But we're gonna get we're gonna get there together, man. We're gonna get there together on this one. Let me explain to you why I asked the question that way. What is a God? The reason I asked the question that way is is any God created? It's not God. Exactly. Any, <laughs> any God, any any God that has to be created, right? It's not, not. It's not a God, right? It's not a God, right? So let's let's go. Let's turn some pages, man. Let's turn some pages of scripture, and let's unpack. Let's let's build on my logic. Let's build on my rationale around why I asked that question the way I did. Because when you look at statement six of this theology state of theology study. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. As you said earlier, Omaha, this is ology. I'm, I don't even want to run through all the ologies, but you were right. It's 101. Pick up, pick an ology and it's 101. Right. This is fundamental, cornerstone, basic Christian orthodoxy that each of us as Christians need to understand. Hmm? If you call anything God, and it had to be created. It's not God. Great point. It's not God, and it's not a God. Mm-hmm. First, let's go back to. I want to go back to um, Exodus chapter thirty-two. Okay, that's where I want to start. I want to start in Exodus chapter thirty-two. Exodus chapter thirty-two. And as I read this verse, I want you to keep in mind the question I just asked you: What is a God? Mm-hmm. But Exodus chapter thirty-two to me has one of the funniest statements in all the bible mm-hmm. and the, the bible's got some funny stuff in it but this is one of the funniest when you think about it i'm going to read exodus 32 uh verse one verses one and two i may read through verse four but let me let me set the stage here at exodus 32 moses has been on mount sinai talking to god ever since exodus chapter 19 Okay. So Moses has been talking with God now for 14 chapters. All right. So the people, the Israelites, getting impatient. Where's Moses? You know, he's been gone for night. He's been gone for 14 chapters. Where is he? You know, so but in Exodus 32, I find one of the funniest statements in all the Bible. So this is where we have the situation with the golden calf. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read from the non-Armenian Standard Bible. Verge had his time to spotlight last week. Do so it, we back. It. We back to the NESB. Just, just know if you falter at all, I got you covered. Yeah. I'm right behind you. <laughs> Thank you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Exodus 32, verse 1. Okay. Now, when the people, now remember, Moses has been on Mount Sinai for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. Now, I want to stop right there. That to me is hilarious. The people go to Aaron, a man, a sinner, a human being. That's a great point. And, and ask him, come make us a God. Mm-hmm. Now you see where I'm going with the question I asked you before, right? Yeah, Her? absolutely. Yep. I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to go back to my 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 Westminster Catechism. Who is God? Yep. yep. I, was, I was like, maybe that's how I should ask. But I'm like, but you asked, who is a who was a God? Like, was, I don't know what what, what, what is a God. The right, question is, right. what is a God? Right. What is a God? So here you have the people asking Eric, come make us. A make us now mm-hmm. make us a god. So I mean, think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Make us a god who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Mm. 
Aaron said to them, and here's Aaron. Aaron willingly, volitionally participating in this blasphemy. Aaron said, tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now, that's a mess. That's Exodus 32, verses 1 through 4. Now, here's why I asked the question to your earlier verse. What is a God? A God, all right, is anything or person that you ascribe value to with regard to worship, veneration, mm-hmm. things of that nature. That's what that's what the Israelites did here. Right. Aaron fashioned a golden calf. The golden calf intrinsically possessed none of the attributes of deity. Right. The people ascribed those attributes to that object. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So that it, so what was created was just the thing. It's what you it's, it's what value you ascribe to that thing that makes it a god. Mm-hmm. It, it's not innately god. It can become a god to you with respect to the value and worth you ascribe to that thing or that person. Mm. But the thing or the person itself, having been created, is not innately and cannot innately be a God, let alone the God. Right. So when you go back to the Ligonier statement here, statement number six, Jesus is the first and created, first and greatest being created by God. Mm. Any, if Jesus was created, he cannot be as he as 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 the scriptures teach us. He cannot be co-equal with God, right? And therefore, cannot be God, right? Now, I've had some people say to me, "Well, Daryl, maybe some people were thrown by the wording of the question." Right, 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 right. You heard that too, Omaha, right? Yeah. Maybe some people were thrown by the wording of the question. Well, maybe they were, okay? Maybe they were, but it's kind of like what you alluded to before the Omaha. I don't know if they were on a clock or anything like that. I'm, what I'm thinking is this thing. is probably kind of a man on the street kind of thing is, what, is either, how I'm thinking this either, thing was done. Either that or, you know, somebody got something maybe submitted. Because uh, let, me, let, me, let me share this with you. This came out two years ago. Yeah. I loved it when it came. I thought this is awesome. Mm-hmm. What I did, which I know many other people did, uh, was I took from this and I thought and went to my senior pastor because you know I'm I'm involved in in adult education and mm-hmm. discipleship at my church. I said I thought we ought to we ought to do an assessment of where people are and what people know. So I I took from this, created a version of it based upon our context and some of the issues that we have a heavy Catholic population. And so I knew that I kind of refashioned it and then sent it and then sent it out. I had it in two formats. One is you could go online and kind of do kind of a quick answer deal that we would take and tabulate. Or once you hit church, I would go into all the all the um, lack of a better word, the Sunday school classes. We call them life groups, all the Sunday Sunday school classes, especially for our older adults. And I would hand them a paper version of the same questionnaire, have them fill it out, come back at the end of class and pick it all up. And then we would take that and enter it into our system so that we can kind of tabulate everything. I, I said all that to say whatever format I, I don't. I, these are two. The, the questions on these are two, uh, I think need need a little bit of time so i don't know that you could have done a man on the street but whatever format it was i think it would have allowed enough time for them to read through the question they knew what they were mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. question and respond mm-hmm. adequately mm-hmm. to each one of the questions that were asked yep yep i tend to agree with you there i tend to agree with you. so so 
what I have to do here, I have to give Ligonier the benefit of the doubt and mm-hmm. how the survey was conducted, that the survey was conducted objectively. It was conducted fairly. Uh, it was conju- conducted uh, with no particular pressure. I'm thinking everyone who responded uh, volitionally chose to respond uh, to these uh, survey questions. So my uh, what you're hearing from me, my commentary, my critique of the responses in this episode and subsequent episodes to follow are being made with myself giving Ligonier the benefit of the doubt and how the survey was conducted. So uh, um, unless someone can say differently or, or prove differently, I'm going to say that Ligonier conducted this survey fairly without bias and the responses are what they are. I mean, they were only uh, in 2016 when this uh, survey was initially done, there were 71% who agreed with the same statement then. Right. Uh, you know, and I didn't hear any criticisms of how the question was delivered then. It's the same question. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. So mm-hmm. what's so what's so dis, I mean, there's so much disheartening about this entire survey. And we'll talk more about this in uh, upcoming episodes, Lord willing. But when you get almost 80 percent, that's eight right. out of every 10. Right. Eight out of every 10 who believe Jesus is a created being. Mm-hmm. How can, how, how, I mean, I'm thinking that's a degree of common core theology, right? That's, that's common core theology right there to, to, to use a secular term, right? This is, this is the, to the, 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 the level of theological. And I say this not as a condescending comment. What I'm saying is when I use the word ignorance here is unawareness, just uh, not knowledgeable of not understanding. There's just a degree of theological ignorance within the church and without the church with respect to who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. I'm really starting to believe that the extent to which professing believers acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior only goes so far as to say that he was a historical figure. Mm. Yeah, he was a person. He right. came into the world. Um, yes, he he he's the son of God. They'll use all the right phrases and terms and adjectives to describe who he was uh, or who Jesus was in his humanity. Yeah, right. But in his deity, in his hypostasis, in his his two natures, mm-hmm. in his pre-existence. Mm-hmm as God prior to his incarnation. And as we, as, as, you know, as I say the word incarnation, I think, uh, and Virgil, I'm sure you got something to say on this man. So jump right in here. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, uh, to, to a large degree that almost, I'm going to round it up to 80% that 80% believe Jesus is a created being is attributable in large part to the fact that our churches they don't teach theology. Right. They don't teach theology. Right. I can tell you right now, growing up in the black church tradition, like you and I both did, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, the word theology was never used. No. It was never used in church. In the churches that I attended. And and when and when it was, it was it was the hat tip was you know, you, you, you don't want to be, you don't want to be too smart. You know, you don't, you don't want to yeah. be too, yeah. you, you don't want to have too much knowledge. You don't want to go, you don't want to go to the cemetery, you know, yeah. making, making light of, of, of seminary. You know, you don't, you don't want to go there. You want to, you know, yeah. don't, let, don't let those folks mess you up. It, yeah. it was, it was almost as if we had to embrace, you know, ignorance. Ignorance. Exactly. We, we, you, we had had to, you had to embrace being dumb. Yes. Yes. In you fact, to, you had to, you had to and, embrace being theologically dumb. Yeah, in fact, it was more there was there was more godliness associated with a lack of 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 any theological acumen uh, because you could feel it by the spirit. We were moved by something else instead right. of instead of knowing. I, I want to make I want to make mention of, of of something else too in this in this space as well, and that is, it, it's easy to see, uh, Daryl, and I, I know we 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 I don't know where, where you want to go with this or not, but but. When I look at this, what it what it allows to take place 
the impact of of this we're going to say for the most part this is this is real this is what this is what the the study shows this is reality for the average average christian at least those who were part of a part of this study what it what it says is that it allows false doctrines to creep in very easily right it it allows it allows mormonism to come alongside and say hey we believe in the same jesus you were mentioning earlier how you know we using the same words but meaning different things i mean that's 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 what the cults do that's what mormonism does that's what jehovah's witnesses do they they they're using some of the same terminology while at the same time meaning something totally different and when you have 8 out of 10 believers you know self-professed believers who take a survey and, and agree with this it's not it's not difficult to, for us to understand how syncretism takes place uh how 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 we begin to kind of begin to, to to blur the lines how this ecumenical movement that that that's afoot begins to yeah you know uh we, we worship the same god as the muslims we worship the same god as the you know you you put it you put in the ism in, into that space and so i i again it it, it goes back to you know to a statement about this and that is that theology really does matter i mean it really does matter what you believe it does matter you know as i listen to you there i'm reminded of something that we've discussed on uh the just thinking broadcast in previous episodes you know with respect to the issue of social justice i've asked the question many times and i brought up the fact that you know the quran talks about justice as well Mm -hmm. so why is it that we should be beholden to the christian ethic of justice why isn't the uh the islamic ethic or the quranic ethic of justice why isn't that just as credible or uh valid as the christian ethos of justice it goes i'll tell you go ahead go go ahead ahead, no no, go ahead go ahead i was just gonna it 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 goes back to everything everything that you were saying this is critical this is a 101 this is this is theology 101 and number two it impacts everything else. If you if you get mm-hmm. this wrong, yep. it impacts everything else. Everything else is impacted by it. Yep. Right? If you if you get if this is this is theology 101, this is Christology 101. I mean, this this is the basis of it all. And so if you get this wrong, you're 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 in a trajectory. I I've got a buddy of mine who's a who's a pilot, a good, good friend of mine who who's a who's a pilot. And and he said, you know, the, the instrumentation allows you maybe a one degree or 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 anywhere between a one and three degree off. And so you got to kind of make sure you're back on track and kind of mm-hmm. making turns and making. He said, but if you if you now the instruments are locked to where they're going to get you to your position. Mm-hmm. But if you if you allowed it to do a one percent off or three percent off, you would be so by the time you left from where you were to get to the point you were going to be. He said you would be so far off. You wouldn't believe, you know, you think one wow. degree, three degrees are off. Mm-hmm. He's been, you, you'd, you'd be you'd be sometimes on a, on another part of the continent. I mean, all together, mm-hmm. if you allowed mm-hmm. that to keep to keep flowing mm-hmm. for this, this isn't one or three degrees off. This is no, this, this is this is. This is, this is this is this is off the planet off okay so forget forget trying to land you know on on another continent you'd be good doing that compared to 80 percent of the respondents to this you're off the planet absolutely you're off the globe absolutely okay and uh you know to to your point again about how fundamental this is i was making the point earlier that with respect to uh the matter of social justice and justice the Mm -hmm. reason the reason we follow the Christian ethos of justice is because Jesus is not a created being like Man. Muhammad was. Oh, that's so good, bro. That's so good. That is what you just said right there. It's so critical. And there's a deeper understanding. I'm hoping people pick up. That's huge. Because it's what huge. It, what it, what, it st- what what the point that Daryl is amplifying in this statement is the fact that all of us as created beings are using our own subjective manner of justice, We're using our own ideas, our own thought processes, our own purview, our own our own you know small sliver mm-hmm. of life. But when we use when we use the Christian ethos for justice, we we have God's complete bingo and total exactly omniscience in the view of justice that we wouldn't have otherwise. Great point, brother. Going back to our our original question that we kicked off this discussion with, what is a God? Mm. Anything, any person that has to be created 
is less than the one who created him. Mm. Nothing that you create can ever be truly a God. Mm-hmm. Now you can call it that. You can call it that. Right. You can give it a name. Give it a name if you want. Go ahead and give it a name. They gave a name to the God back in 1 Kings 18. They called it Baal. Mm-hmm. Go back and read 1 Kings 18 and see what God did through Elijah to Baal. And I loved Elijah. Elijah mocked him. He jeered him. Oh, wait, 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 that, wait. That's, that's all you got? That's all your God got? That's <laughs> all, well, let me, let me show you what the one true God can do. You see. But this, this, the, the, the reason this statement, number six, in the state of theology, go to thestateoftheology.com. The reason this question, to me, all the other statements in this study is because, again, if you, and we've said it many, many times, if you don't understand that Jesus is God, mm-hmm. he's not just the son of God, he's God. Mm-hmm. He is God. Let me read to you. I want to go through a couple more texts here, but if you don't understand that, that is like, that's peanut butter and jelly, Verge. <laughs> I mean, that's so... That's that's verse. That's government cheese. Right. <laughs> you had to that's, go there. I had to go there, bro. I got to keep it real, man. You got to keep it real. I got to keep it real. I mean, I right. might be dean of social media, but I'm I'm still <laughs> I'm from the crib, man. I'm from the crib, bro. You still Daryl. You still dangerous. I'm from the crib. I'm, <laughs> bro, I'm from the crib, man. Come on, man. Hey, it, it, isn't that what isn't what isn't that what these woke cats tell us? No, don't forget where you come from. Right, right. Don't forget right. where you came from. <laughs> Right. <laughs> let's look at uh let's look at the gospel of john chapter one gospel of john chapter one i tell you virgin it feels good man to be turning these pages with you again bro come on man come it on it really does man john yeah. chapter one the deity of christ all right john chapter one folks starting at verse one in the beginning was the word come on, man. and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with God. Now, what does that say? He pre-existed. He had no creator. God, Christ, this is the word. Here. I'm going to expound on this in a minute. But the word here, if that word, word does not have a capital W in your translation, you need to get another translation. Mine is capitalized, brother. Thank you, bro. I was about to cut you <laughs> off the show. You was telling me <laughs> your elect standard version did not capitalize that word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He, now listen, verse two, listen, look at that personal pronoun. That personal pronoun refers to the phrase, the word in verse one. So verse two starts off with a personal pronoun. It does not start off with it. It says he, okay, Mm. John 1 again. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Mm-hmm. Personal pronoun. Verse mm-hmm. 3, all things came into being through him, mm-hmm. which says he was what? He was the creator. Mm-hmm. He was not the created. Jesus was the creator. All things came into being through him. I love this part right here. And apart from him, yeah. nothing came into being that has come into being. Yes. Apart from Christ, nothing has come. Christ is the creator. Mm-hmm. He is not created. Okay. Mm-hmm. It says, John 1, 3. I love this verse. All things came into being. Now, the Greek word there for all is all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all. There is nothing that is excluded from Christ's creative power. Mm. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That's Jesus. That's this mighty God by the name of Jesus that every professing Christian who goes by that name, goes by his name, is professing to believe in, to serve, to worship. Mm. 
Jesus was not created. He pre-existed with God. He pre-existed with the Holy Spirit and is responsible for everything that exists, whether you can see it or not. Mm-hmm. Colossians 1. And I was Let's hoping you was going. I was hoping you was coming. I got you, bro. I got you. I got I you. You were coming. This this is the issue that they had in Colossae, right? I mean, this was exactly this, right. This was the issue that Epaphras went to Paul while in prison and said, yep. "We got an issue here, yep. and we need you to deal with it." And Paul would write this to the church at Colossae. This is almost a recapitulation of we ju- of what we just read in John chapter one. Mm-hmm. Listen to. Listen to Colossians 1. I'm going to be reading from verse 15 through verse 17. As you listen to Colossians 1, 15 through 17, recall in your mind what we just read in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. All right. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. He, that is Christ. Mm -hmm. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. Now that's a verse that Jehovah's witnesses try to use to get you tripped up on that. Christ is a created being, right? Uh, this verse right here, he is the image that were created. I'm sorry. Firstborn rather that, that were firstborn. They'll try to trip you up right. into uh, believing that Jesus is a created being. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation for by him, all things were created. Now, does that not sound like what we just read in John chapter one? Absolutely. By him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things. That means Christ pre-existed. He's pre-existed and he's preeminent in his existence. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's one verse right there. So all you need to know is, is Colossians 1, verse 17. Mm-hmm. And that will give you a correct and accurate theology of the preexistent nature of Jesus Christ. He was not created. Mm-hmm. He is, it didn't say he was, he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. So if you want to, Uh, map out a biblical theology of the nature of Jesus with respect to uh, especially his preexistent, his his preexistent nature and the fact that he was not created. Read John chapter one, verses one through three up against Colossians one verses 15 and 17. Mm -hmm. Do an expositional study of those two texts alongside a really good systematic theology like a Wayne Grudem or John Frame or um, um, Verge, you might have a favorite that I'm not mentioning. I, I, I like Frame. Frame's, Frame's work is really, really stout. Uh, so, yeah, get a, get a good systematic theology and unpack mm-hmm. the, um, the doctrine of the preexistent nature of Jesus Christ using these two texts. But there are others, yes, but these two texts will, will, will help you greatly. John 1, verses 1 through 3, alongside Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17. I t- I t- I'll tell you what, I'll add, I'll add to that, man. One of the, I mean, sometimes, I mean, the, these, these systematics that are out there are awesome. But I, I remember the first, the first tool that I began using as a systematic is the 1689 London Baptist Confession. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the confession to which my local church body uh Mm-hmm. Subscribes to yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I think I think the, I think those are wonderful tools to start out with. I mean, you can you can go get you know frame is no joke. I mean, it's it's pretty thick. Yeah, yeah. Gruden does a great job. I think for yep. the for the average lay person, just as kind of a starter. But man, I, what what helped me really understand was was just grabbing the sixteen eighty nine and and you know you can kind of go from there. Look at Westminster, maybe do some comparators and some other things. But that's that's what helped me understand it. So. Yeah, that's a great suggestion, man. Thanks for throwing that in there. And along that note, I know, you know, some of our listeners are probably going like, man, why are you guys using these big words? (laughs) Well, let me say this. Um, The scriptures tell us, right, to study to show thyself approved. Mm. Um, Peter, 1 Peter 3.15, you should always be ready to give a defense, Mm -hmm. to give an apologetic, to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Mm-hmm. These words, we're not spouting off these terms to show off. 
These terms directly relate to biblical orthodoxy that every Christian should understand. If if we happen to use a word that is uh, maybe foreign to you, or uh, is 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 something you may not have come across before, uh, my humble challenge to you is to go look up the word and find out what it means. Yeah, uh, just like I had to do. Mm-hmm. Just like I had to do. Um, I spent half my life in churches that didn't teach biblical oh. theology. Right. Right. Didn't teach it. Right. Uh, you got somebody in the pulpit yelling their lungs off, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get you a, an emotional rise out of you, uh, to say you had an experience with God. Mm-hmm. No, but I, but I learned absolutely nothing. Right. I learned absolutely nothing. Uh, so when we mention terms like Christology, theology, orthodoxy, orthopraxy, homartiology, mm-hmm. go out and look these terms up and find out what they mean. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be all the better for it. Uh, you'll be all the better for it. One last text I want to check out. Virgis, stay in Colossians, go to chapter 2, verse 9. Verse 9. I'm going to start at verse 8, though. Colossians 2, verses 8 and Mm 9. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, Mm -hmm. according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. You were alluding to this earlier, uh, Virgis. We just hadn't got to this text yet. Mm-hmm. Let me start at the beginning. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him, that is in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Mm. All the fullness of deity, all the fullness of God, all the attributes of God, all the character of God, all the nature of God, the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So even in his humanity, there was deity. Mm. Jesus was not created. He pre-existed with God. So as it relates to the Ligonier State of Theology survey, those numbers should have been inversed. Mm -hmm. Instead of 78% agreeing and 18% disagreeing, we should have had 18% agreeing and 78% disagreeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's the work that the church has to do. We got to close that delta. Mm-hmm. We have a 60% delta that we need to close. Right. Now, how do we do that? Well, you start teaching theology in your churches. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now, here a couple of thoughts, man, that I want to add into what yeah, go ahead, Virg. What you're saying here. One is, I, I think you raise an important question about this issue a of study. Um, I love what you shared about, man. Some of the words that that you use and that we talk about on this show, uh, the importance of of looking them up and and, and studying and knowing and understanding and growing in that space. I talked to a, a brother today. We were talking about theology and. You know, I was telling him that uh, I'm making my way through um, uh, I'm right now listening to Martin Lloyd-Jones and, and mm-hmm. uh, yep. I'm walking through uh, a study on Romans. I'm actually studying mm-hmm. the book of Romans for my own personal mm-hmm. education and, and, and knowledge and such. And I thought, yeah, I, I, let me grab his sermons. And I was telling the brother, I said, he, he's got 360 some odd mm-hmm. sermons mm-hmm. through the book of Romans mm-hmm. and you know, it took him, you know, somewhere, some say 11 years to walk mm-hmm. through the entirety of the book, just kind of teaching. He, he was shocked. He said, what in the world, who in the world would take the time to walk through scripture at that slow a pace? And I said, well, you know, I, I recognize it's not for everybody. And I think the argument that he was making is it's not really for anybody. You know, it's not really for right. anybody to take. Yeah. It. And what I recognized in his response was that's that's kind of a part of our culture. A part of our culture says, you know what, we're not we, we, we don't need to go through that slow. Give me four points in a poem and yeah. I'm good and, yeah. and, and I'll keep moving. And what you what you see as a result of that are the are the results that we're walking through as a part of the study from from the state of theology. So my question in that man, and even expressing that is, is what, what are your thoughts? How do, how do we close the gap? You, you, you raised an important point at the end of, in the last segment, you know, how do, how do we close the Delta on, on a, on a gap that is so, so wide? Yeah, I think uh, I would answer that question this way. Cause especially when you look at the contemporary 
evangelical church uh, today, especially in America, I think in most pulpits, we don't have preachers. We have performers. <laughs> we got performers. And you bring up a guy like Martin Lord Jones. Let me just give an example for the listeners who might not be familiar. If not familiar with the name, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, the doctor, uh, the, the doctor, as they affectionately called him, uh, as he was, he was a medical doctor. Uh, and then the Lord just worked on his heart and, uh, uh, he gave up his practice, um, and just preached the gospel for, uh, for decades. But, uh, go up and look up Martin Lloyd Jones. He spells Martin with a Y, mm-hmm. uh, M-A-R-T-Y-N, L-L-O-Y-D dash Jones. But I've got, uh, I'm, I'm a big MLJ fan as well. Uh, Omaha, I've got his app on my uh, iPhone. And let me just give folks an, an idea of, of what you were just, the point you were just making. On the book of Acts, there are 118 sermons mm-hmm. uh, that Martin Lloyd-Jones did. The book of Ephesians, 232 sermons. Mm-hmm. The book of John, 254. The book of Romans, 366 mm-hmm. sermons. Face to Face with Christ, 12. The Great Biblical Doctrines, 55 itinerant preaching 89 old testament 133 mm-hmm. other sermons 285 and so on you get the idea right but what's happening in the church today is expositional preaching is not being offered right churches and pulpits don't know what expositional preaching is mm-hmm. they don't know what it's like and that's why you get the criticisms that you brought up earlier this is why you get people saying well i don't want to go to that church over there because it's like going to school Right. It's like going to class. That, see, people today, especially in America, people go to church to be entertained. They mm-hmm. don't go to church to be educated. They don't go to go to church to build their theological or their orthodoxical acumen. Mm-hmm. That's not why they go. So you don't hear uh, theological terms being used, such as the ones we've mentioned in this episode, because mm-hmm. preachers know today, pastors and stuff know today that they got to keep the people coming. Mm-hmm. I got to keep I got to keep the people coming so I can keep passing the plate. Right. And keep that offering piling up. Right. You see. So mm-hmm. it's your best life now. Right. It's your best life now. That's why most people go to church. This is why you get this 78% agreeing that Jesus was created being. Right. This is where you get it. So my answer to your question is we pre- preaching has to become more theological. Mm-hmm. It's got to become more uh, didactical. It's got to become uh, more academic, even if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Bible studies have to become more expositional and not so topical, not this canned, uh, uh, prepackaged uh, Bible studies that are out there right now that have all the answers in the back of the book. Right. Right. You see, with people so, trying I mean, to figure out what it means to me. What does this mean to me? Well, yeah. What does this mean to me? Hold what does up. this mean to me? Yeah, yeah. And and let me make some people mad real quick now that I'm back on the show. Let me make some people mad here real quick. When you're reading the scriptures, the question is never, and I'm going to repeat this, the question is never, mm-hmm. what does this text mean to me? Yeah. That's never the question. Mm-hmm. The question is, what does the text mean? Period. That's the question. Yeah. Period. The question is never, what does this text mean to me? This is not, and I'm going to call some names, and I'm not apologizing. This is not someone like a T.D. Jakes right. who wants to interject you into every story. Yeah. I, I call T.D. Jakes the great storyteller. He's yeah. a great storyteller. Yeah. He is a master at not only isogeting his own paradigm of uh, philosophy and thought into mm-hmm. a text, but he's a master at putting you, personalizing the text and putting you in every text. Right, right. No, so the question is never, what does the text mean to me? Is what does the text mean? And how am I to apply the text to me in light of what it means? Right, 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 right. Okay, so and Ver, you've been asked many times, I know. And, and people have asked us lately, hey, can you guys do an episode on, on uh, Bible study tips, how to study the Bible? Well, I think I just I just gave you my my Bible study approach. Right, right. You, op- right. you, op- you open the Bible, number one. You, well, let me go back before that. First of all, you learn to read. Right. You open the Bible. You read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then you ask the Holy Spirit, yes. who wrote the Bible, to help you understand what is meant by what you just read 
And then you also pray to ask the Holy Spirit to help you apply what you just read that he helped you understand in the context in which it is meant to be applied. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Is Listen, Bible study is not hard. Mm-mm. It's just a matter of whether you want to put in the work. That's the, that's the, the thing. Time, that I, the time I, and the effort. That's the thing that I find more than anything. And again, all of this relates back to the responses that we're seeing in a, in a state of theology study where people are getting the mass majority of these answers, not only slightly wrong or a little bit off, but like you said earlier, just off the chart, off the planet. And, uh, and, 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 and these are basics to the foundation of faith. And the reality is most, most people don't really want to put in the work, the time, the energy, and the effort that it takes in order to really understand and explain um, what what the scripture means, period. And uh, and and you find that in a hey, if 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 someone can't say it in so many minutes and so many seconds, uh, and and it feel and it make me feel better, then I'm I'm not listening. You know the the kind of yeah. pastors and teachers that they pick up and and lean into. Uh, it, it it's it boggles the mind when you begin to kind of re- and then and then you see the the results in a, in when when a study like this is done you see the impact of of that kind what the, what what the the fruit there you know if you can call it that the fruit of their kind that kind of preaching um one of the things I loved I was listening to uh the, the other day I was listening to a series uh of of uh, of teachings in fact it was from uh it was from the master seminary and they were walking mm-hmm. through the the mechanics of preaching mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Dr. MacArthur was walking through all of the reasons. I think he had like 70 some odd reasons why someone should do, you know, expositional uh, preaching. And uh, he kind of walked through all of them and he talked about how explaining the text leads to greater understanding of the text leads to greater understanding of who God is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it leads to greater worship, it leads to mm-hmm. a depth of worship as a result. So it's not, the, it's not just dry, you know, theology. Uh, it, it, it leads to robust doxology. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, have, we have a desire now to worship this big God who we now mm-hmm. have come to know and understand as a result of in-depth study of the text of scripture. And I like what you said there towards the end, uh, Omaha, uh, about God being a big God, yeah. about God being a big God. And I think you get, the reason you get 78% of respondents thinking that Jesus is a created being mm-hmm. is because they've re- we've, we've so reduced God to our level. Yeah, that's good. We've reduced God, we've reduced Jesus to our level that we have basically stripped him mm-hmm. of the position, the exalted position that he deserves. Mm. We've so reduced him to our level. Mm-hmm. to where we give him nicknames now. We don't even call him by his proper name. We give him nicknames. We call him by his initials, right. JC, right. the man upstairs, the man who, the man's this, the man that. Right. We, we've absolutely robbed him mm-hmm. of who he is by his very nature and personhood. Mm-hmm. And we've robbed him of that. So we don't even see him as a bit God anymore, which is why perhaps the question we'll tackle in the following episode, if I could just segue for a second, mm-hmm. another of the statements in the uh, state of theology survey is that the, a majority of respondents believe that God accepts worship from all religions. Yeah. All religions. So that's connected to the deity of Jesus, because when you look at, when you have a, a paradigm of theology that says, or, or 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 God Himself. You have your paradigm of God is that He accepts worship from all religions. Then that basically speaks to uh, your relegating Jesus not only to a being who was created, but a being who is on an equal plane with all these other false deities. Right. Allah, Buddha. Right. You you name it. Jesus is no different than any of them. Mm-hmm. You know. So. I mean, there's just this waterfall effect. Yes. And I think what's concerning to, to both of us, if I, if I may speak to you on this, mm-hmm. I think what's concerning to both of us, the reason it's so critical that we understand who Jesus was in his nature, not just what he did, but 
It's his nature as God that makes what he did significant. Absolutely. Absolutely. He created you. Listen, you cannot have an atonement from anyone who was created. Mm -hmm. Anyone who was created is equal with you and is equal with me. Right. And neither, none of us, no one who is equal to us can atone for sin. So there's a connection between Jesus's deity. So you got to have your Christology, right? Mm -hmm. And then from that, you got to have your soteriology, right? Because if you don't have your Christology, right? Your soteriology is wrong. And you know what that means? You're not rescued from your sins at all. You're still on the hook for your own sins. Right. Only God himself could atone for the sins of mankind. And he did that in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important for us to understand and connect these dots of biblical orthodoxy. This is not just a matter of uh, 78% believe in Jesus' created being. It's the why that 78% believe that is so important. Mm-hmm. You must connect the dots. If they don't believe Jesus, if they believe Jesus is a created being, and these are people who profess to believe in Jesus, what, where, 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 where's your salvation? What, what are you? Not only how, how are you saved? How are you saved if He's a created being? Right. How are you saved? By what? By what? Uh, what? What method does, does God use to save you if Jesus is a created being? He can't be, and then you profess to be saved from your sins, because you're not, if he's created. Absolutely not. There's no atonement. There's nothing. There's no atonement. There's mm-hmm. nothing. There's just a void there, a void. And you are left in the same position that you were in when you were conceived. You are dead in your trespasses and sins, just like Paul wrote in Ephesians 2. You are still dead in your trespasses and sins, just like the Muslim is, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses, just like the Mormon is, just like the Buddhist is, the Hindu is, you name it. So this is a crucial question, and this is why we want to, in subsequent episodes of the Justin Thinking Broadcast, we're going to spend time I to love unpack it. each of these questions in the State of Theology Survey. And I love it, love it, love it. It's going to be a good good series. I think it's important for us. These are, man, one of the things that, that, that I love, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you wrap us, but I, I love the fact that those who have, have become, you know, regular listeners on the broadcast, followers of the broadcast, um, they, they look forward to the episodes for what they believe is going to be a, a spiritually edifying experience, something that they can learn from, something they could take with them and, and kind of chew on. And so the next four episodes, man, are going to be really, really rich from a standpoint of us being able to unpack these aspects of, of the state of theology questions that got that they that, that that were answered wrongly and for us to begin looking at the scriptures to uh, to make sure we're rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's going to be good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Omaha. And again, man, uh, thank you, Lord, for giving me life and and uh, and strength to be back with you on the Just Thinking broadcast, man. We got a, a great trip out to L.A., but God brought us back safely. Yes. I've been looking forward to this. And yep. uh, thanks again to all of our listeners. We certainly appreciate your encouragement, your support and your prayers. And Lord willing, as I transition into my new role at Grace to You, uh, we will continue these broadcasts on a weekly basis. Uh, so thank you all for being there for us. Uh, we love you and thank you for uh, supporting the broadcast. We appreciate it. Tune in next time for the next edition of the Just Thinking Broadcast.